0: That's a beautiful song. I, mean, I love the story behind that song. If you don't know that, Charles Wagnall wrote that. Am I right, Sister Amanda? Is that right? Amazing story. Uh, sometimes the story behind the hymn makes the hymns even that much more powerful, and that one has a great backstory. Maybe uh, you can look it up and read it for yourself. We're in 2 Timothy this morning, chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Number four, next year, Christmas Day will be on Sunday. And uh, in case you're wondering what we're planning on doing next Sunday, we're going to next year on on December 25th, we will have Sunday school at 10, church at 11, and then we'll have an evening service at 5 o'clock. Just in case anybody was wondering if we were going to cancel church. We don't cancel church around here, especially to celebrate the Lord's birth. Um, I know yesterday was a wonderful day. It was a first first Christmas for us with the grandbaby in the house, and uh, that was pretty awesome. And um, I'm thinking next year, if everything goes according to plan, the Marissa Nathan and the baby will be in the Philippines, and uh, so that might be where we're at next year at Christmas. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, it was awesome having the first Christmas with the grandbaby and. A little sad thinking it might be the last one for a while. Uh, but we hope you had a good Christmas time with your family and friends. And uh, there's a bug going around, so be, take good care of yourself. Wash your hands. Amen. We'll get a little herd immunity going this morning, all right? 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. Stand with me, please, as we read a few verses from the Scripture. Verse number... Six, the Bible says, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul the Apostle said in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I want to preach this morning for a few minutes on this thought, finishing faith. Amen. We need faith that would help us finish running the race. Now I'm, let me just say this: I'm not done running, okay? And I don't want anybody to get any any uh, ideas this morning. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not identifying with the Apostle Paul in that I feel like I'm at the end of my race. But it is the end of a year, and I'm asking God this morning to just give us all maybe a little boost uh, to help us finish right and finish strong. The Apostle Paul in these verses demonstrated the kind of faith. That helps you finish, and that's what I want to look at this morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege to stand once again and open the Scriptures and the Word of God. May you, Lord, feed our soul, minister and, and encourage, Lord, and, and admonish the people of God today. If there be somebody here today that's not saved, I pray today would be the day that they accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Second Timothy chapter number 4 has got a lot of... A lot of ground to cover. I'm not going to even begin to tap into all of the, the preaching that is in this passage. I want to get to verse number seven here in just a minute. But before I do, I do want to just make mention of the fact that this was the last uh, letter the apostle Paul wrote. I believe it was somewhere around AD 67. Uh, tradition tells us, history tells us, that the apostle Paul was martyred in Rome. He was beheaded. For his faith and for his stand and for uh, his testimony, but in get to Second Timothy, he's writing this letter from prison, and uh, I can't think of a more uh, horrible place to try to uh, write from than a cold, drab prison, a Roman prison. But uh, when I read First and Second Timothy, I'm challenged by the heart that is demonstrated by the Apostle Paul. What an example! of someone with faith. One example of someone that was able to endure sufferings and afflictions and tribulations and trials and used every last minute of his life for the furtherance of the ministry. And I guess that's kind of where my mind was going with these verses. By way of introduction, I want you to notice that Paul had several things on his mind as he neared the finish line. And uh, he, he had several things on his mind and that's reflected in the first part of chapter number four. And uh, if you wanna write these things down, you can. We see, first of all, there was a passionate charge in chapter four and verse number one. The apostle Paul writing to Timothy, a young pastor said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought as I was reading that, that Paul knew he had already received insight that he was about to die. He knew his time was short. He'd been in house prison, been in, uh, there in Rome. He was in house prison for a couple of years and now he's in prison and he just knows that it's not going to go well. He knows he's not gonna be turned loose and given him a second chance to go back out and preach. He knows that he's going to die here. The Lord had already given him that insight, obviously from verse number six and verse number seven. But I thought about his desire for his last few days on earth to be spent investing and pouring into the younger generation. Timothy, the young preacher, is receiving a letter here from the Apostle Paul, filled with admonitions and filled with encouragement. In fact, I almost call this point a paternal charge. He looked at Timothy as a son in the faith. If you look back at chapter one, we're still in 2 Timothy, chapter number one, he said in verse two to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. He called him his son in the faith in another place. He looked at Timothy. Uh, That was in 1 Timothy chapter one, verse two. He called him my own son in the faith. And Paul is investing. He has been writing this letter. He's been encouraging, admonishing. And then we get to the last chapter, he's charging him. This is a passionate charge. He looked at Timothy as a a like-minded young man and, and has taken every waking moment, every minute that he has left to invest and to pour himself into this young preacher, knowing that Timothy will take the things that he learned from Paul, and that he will pass those down to the next generation, and to the next generation. I know I refer to 2 Timothy chapter two, and verse number two often. That was my ministry philosophy when I was a missionary in South Africa, uh, investing and pouring into others. He said, the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And that was the four generations there of teaching and mentoring. And the Apostle Paul was charging Timothy and trying his best to encourage him to stay true and to stay faithful. If you look back in chapter number three, he says in verse number 14 But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He saw many people during his ministry walk away. He referred to one in this chapter, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, Paul no doubt saw many people start out and start out strong and start out with a bang and yet many of them stopped or they quit or they fizzled out or they got distracted. And so Paul's using his last moments on earth to charge passionately his young preacher friend, Timothy. He said, I want you to stay true. I want you to continue. I want you to be faithful. Of course, he's setting an example of faithfulness. In verse number seven, where he says, I've kept the faith. He says, I've kept the faith. There's no reason why you can't as well. So we see the chapter starts out with a passionate charge in verse number one, also in verse number one. Secondly, we see a promised coming. He says, I charge thee before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, if you missed Sunday school in the sanctuary this morning, you missed an unexpected blessing. Brother Bernard and his wife are out of town and Brother Sasser filled in this morning, did a great job out of the book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, talking about end time prophecy and how that we have been promised multiple times in the scripture that Jesus is coming again. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm looking forward to his coming more now than I ever have before. All my life I've heard preachers preach about the rapture and heard preach about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible talks about it often but maybe I'm just getting older and maybe the world's just getting crazier but I'm looking forward to the promise coming, amen. And Paul here is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Paul was looking forward to the appearing of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he referred to it again in verse number eight. And I mentioned this just the other day, how that somehow or another God had given him insight through a, 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 a inside information that he had a crown that was laid up for him in verse number eight. And he went on to say in verse number eight, uh, which is the, there's a crown laid up for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. That's one crown all of us can get in here this morning, amen, be looking forward to Jesus coming back and taking us out of this mess. What a mess we're living in. What a mess. But there's a promise coming, Paul was thinking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and was using that coming to be a motivation to Timothy, reminding him uh, that when Jesus comes back, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen, he will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Got into that little bit that this morning, the the judgment seat of Christ and you've got the great white throne judgment. That's for the unbeliever. You have the judgment of the nations. You've got all these different judgments that are coming, but it starts with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and he could come today. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Amen, we see a passionate charge. We see a promised coming. In verse number two, write this down, we see a preacher's calling. Paul is reminding young Timothy, preach the word. Well, that's just almost a thing that is unheard of anymore. Of course, I don't get out much. I stay here and when I go off somewhere, I'm usually preaching somewhere, but I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of text messages and emails from people that says we enjoy watching the services at Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, because where we're living, where we're at, there's not any good, solid Bible preaching. Paul was admonishing Timothy in verse number two, preach the word. I can't imagine why anybody would want to preach anything else. There's so much in there. You could never even begin to exhaust it all. I honestly believe I could preach the next six months and never leave this chapter. There's six months worth of preaching just in this chapter right here. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. That's not a a chore, that's not a drudgery. That's exciting to be able to dig into the scriptures, be able to dig into the word of God and to be able to stand and preach the word of God. Yet today, it seems like it's such a rare thing. People are preaching their philosophies and their opinions. And it's crazy, the older I get, the less opinions I have. I used to have an opinion on everything. Now. I don't know anymore. If the Bible doesn't address it, I don't have a clue. I'm, I'm comfortable preaching the Bible because I know this book is true and I know it's right, but Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season. Amen, Brother Sasser. That's what happened this morning. When I looked around and I didn't see Brother Burner, and I called him, I said, are you gonna be here today? He said, oh no, preacher, I told you several times I was gonna be out of town. I said, oh yeah, that's right. And I made a beeline to Brother Sasser. I said, you're teaching Sunday school in five minutes. <laughs> you know what he did? He was instant in season is what he was. Well, it might have been out of season. I hadn't asked his wife how he did. But we, the instant in season for a man of God to be ready and be prepared to be able to stand up at a moment. Notice, by the way, that in season, out of season means when they like it and when they don't like it. There are times when it's fun. There's times when it's easy. There's times when it's convenient to preach. And then there's times when you're you're preaching against, going against the grain many times. Of course, the apostle Paul knew all about that. No wonder whenever he got with a group of brethren like he did in that upper room that night, he preached till midnight. Amen. He was tired of getting people throwing rocks at him. Amen. He was enjoying preaching to a friendly crowd for a change. Amen. We see the. The preacher's calling, be instant in season, out of season. Look at verse two, reprove. Well, that's not any fun. That's not fun for the preacher and it's not fun for the listener. I know some preachers that enjoy reproving people. They got a problem. Hey man, I I, I have to do it as a pastor, reprove and rebuke, but I don't enjoy it. But we see the reprove and rebuke and the exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Man, there's a month's worth of preaching just in that verse right there. But we see these were things that was on the Apostle Paul's mind as he neared the finish line. He was thinking about the preacher's calling and was reminding Timothy, "This is what you need to do: preach the word, preach that book." And be instant in season, if you look back in chapter three, right there at the end of chapter number three, he's reminding him again in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That Bible is filled with positives and negatives. It's filled with reproofs and rebuke, and it's filled with instruction and correction. The Bible is good for what ails you, amen. That the man of God may be perfect Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So he's reminding Timothy in verse number two of the preacher's calling. And then we see in verse number three and four, he's thinking on his deathbed here as he's getting ready to die, he's getting ready to be martyred, he's thinking about a pending compromise. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We preached series on that a few weeks ago on uh, on the the apostasy, so I won't labor this point too much, but this is on Paul's mind. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. A lot of times we get aggravated at preachers because they don't preach the Bible. The reason why a lot of them quit preaching is because people they're preaching to don't want to hear it. Right, it's called supply and demand. They figure, well, if the people don't wanna hear the preaching of the word of God, I'll just preach something else. Whatever I gotta do to keep them. That's the difference between a shepherd and a hireling, by the way. Paul, as he's about to die, he's thinking about this coming compromise, this pending apostasy. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves, teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned away unto fables, and I have to admit, sometimes the truth hurts, but I'm thankful for the truth. I'm thankful for the correction, I'm thankful for the reproofs and the rebuke of the Word of God. I'm thankful for the men of God that have stood up in my life and looked me in my God-given eyeball and preached the truth unto me. I'm thankful for that, but a lot of people don't like to get uncomfortable at church. In fact, someone told me just, just the other day, said, every single time I come to Calvary Baptist Church, I get under conviction. I said, "Well, man, that's a good thing. Amen. You can get under conviction and also be encouraged at the same time." Amen. Every time I read the Bible, I get put under conviction. Just like every time I look in the mirror, I see something needs to improve. I did the best I could this morning with what I got to work with, but every time I look in the mirror, I see something needs to be fixed. Every time I look in this perfect law of liberty, I see something that needs to be addressed. That's how the Bible works. A lot of people turn away their ears from the truth be turned into fables. I'd rather you stand up and tell them a bald-faced lie. People, church members, they'll pay a preacher to lie to them, just so they hadn't got to sit and listen to the, the pricking of the Holy Spirit working in their heart. And then we see number five, where are we at? We see verse number five, uh, but watch down in all things and endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. We see a proving commitment in this verse, the apostle Paul is challenging Timothy, make sure he finishes strong, make sure that he utilizes his position in the ministry to do the work of God, do the work of uh, watch thou in all things and endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. I preached a message years ago out of verse number five on prove it, why don't you? A lot of people need to prove some things to the world and to others. And that's what that full proof is talking about in verse number five. And you prove that by being committed and watching in all things. The Bible talks all about watching, being sober. A lot of people ought like to bury their head in the sand. They don't wanna know what's going on. Watch thou in all things. Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, watch and pray. Come on now, watch and pray. He said in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil is roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We need to be watchful, watch thou on all things, endure afflictions, and if you're a Christian and child of God, you will experience afflictions. That's part of it. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Is everybody still with me? Take up your cross and follow me, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and we know what that is. Apostle Paul was encouraging Timothy, you make sure you keep preaching the gospel, seeing people saved, and and, and remember the, the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost. Do the work of an evangelist, and then make full proof of thy ministry. He used that word proof often. Well, let me just quickly jump into the meat of the message this morning. The apostle Paul is an ex- excellent example to you and to us how we can finish strong. Paul is nearing the end of his ministry. My goodness, what a life he lived. And, and three missionary journeys and churches he started all over Asia Minor and all the epistles and the books that he wrote, but he finished strong. A lot of people are starting, starting out right, but they, they, they don't finish well. I wanna finish well. Even Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, is said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? is just a remnant. And the remnant's gonna get smaller, I believe. Now, some people may believe that it's gonna get bigger. They believe there's gonna be a whole lot more people. There's gonna be this, this uh, nationwide revival. I'm praying for that, and I'm hoping for that. But I do believe the Bible says that it's gonna wax worse and worse. Amen. But he started out strong. He, I said he started out strong and he finished strong. I was reading Acts chapter number nine, the Bible tells us at the beginning of the apostle Paul's ministry, of course he was still called Saul in Acts chapter number nine, but the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number nine and verse 22 that Saul increased the more in strength. He just got saved. In the previous verses, Saul had just got saved, just got called to preach, and the Bible tells us that he increased the more in strength in verse number 22 of Acts 9. So he started out strong, but I'm thankful that he finished strong as well. I fought a good fight, he said, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. Let me give you three things about his faith, I believe, that helped him finish right, finish strong, write this down, number one, he had faith in God's plan, this is important. Faith in God's plan or faith in God's path, either one of those will work, or faith in God's purpose. But he said in verse number seven, I fought a good fight, I have finished my course. The path that God chose for me, the road that God saw fit to put me on is a good path, and I trusted God, and I followed him, and I followed his path and his plan, and I finished my course. By the way, you have a course today. We don't all have the same path. It's interesting to me, the very first words that we have recorded the Apostle Paul as a believer in Acts chapter number nine was, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Well, that's a question most Christians never sincerely ask the Lord. What do you want me to do? They're more interested in what everybody else is doing, and not what God has chosen for them. But God had a path. God had a prescribed course for Paul. We see that in Acts chapter number nine. The Bible tells us that when he asked Jesus, What wilt thou have me to do in Acts chapter number nine? The Lord said, Arise and go to the city in verse 6, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And to skip down to verse number 15. The Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Told me I saw who later became Paul, he's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. That was the path God chose for Saul. On the road to Damascus when he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? God said, I've got, a course, I've got a prescribed path that I've already got picked out for you, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a chosen vessel. You're gonna bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, and you're gonna suffer great many things for me and my name's sake. That's the course that I have got picked out for you. The apostle Paul didn't argue. Unlike many of us, when God says, this is what I want you to do, we say, Lord, you got surely you got the wrong number. I'm thinking back when God called me to preach, I didn't want to preach. I wasn't against preaching, I just didn't want to preach. Does that make sense? I loved preachers. I loved preaching. I just didn't want to be the one doing it. God backed me up in the corner. I waved the white flag of surrender. Never forget it. In June of 1993, July of 93, God changed my path. I was currently enrolled in college at Pensacola Christian College. I was studying business administration, and minoring in computer science. And this was back when nobody had computers yet. And my dad says, you need to get into computers. That's gonna be a good money-making business one of these days. And so I studied business and computer, came home for the summer. God called me to preach, took all my plans, threw them in the trash. God changed my path. He changed my course. Paul was able to finish according to our scripture this morning, because he accepted, and he chose, and he submitted and surrendered to the path that God had chosen for him. He never once argued with God about it. Lord, what will thou have me to do? Well, that's a good first question for a Christian. What will thou have me to do? Imagine if every single one of us asked that question and meant it. If you're a husband, you know what I'm about to say is true. We just want our wives to tell us what she wants. Without having the guess. Without the riddles that go along with it. Just tell me what you want. Now the women don't understand that. They like to embed it in some sort of a secret code. But guys, you agree with me? We just want to know. We just, just tell us what you want. Just tell us what you want. I wonder how many Christians look, look at God with a heart of sincerity and say, whatever path you choose for me, that's the path I'm gonna take. And I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. The apostle Paul had faith in God's path. His first words as a believer was, what wilt thou have me to do? His last words were, I have finished my course. 30 something years of faithfulness to the path that God had chosen for him. He was fully persuaded that God had a specific plan for his life and he trusted God completely With that path, well, a lot of us think we've got a better idea of how our lives should be spent. But Lord, you don't understand. I went to college and studied this. Lord, you don't understand. I've got this ability and I've got this talent. Lord, you don't understand. I can't do this and I can't do that. As if God needs you to explain to him what you can and can't do. I preached in chapel just a few weeks ago out of Jeremiah chapter number one where God came to Jeremiah and said, I've called you, this is what I want you to do. And he said, oh, Lord God, I'm but a child. God said, I know who you are and I know what you are and I've got something I want you to do. He had faith in God's path. Imagine a church full of people that didn't spend the next 30 years arguing with God about what his plan for their life was. But they spent the next 30 years just trying to do it. Just trying to, just trying their best to find out what God warned them to do, and wherever God said go, they went. We've talked about this many times. I would have, Baltimore, Maryland is the last place I would have picked out, picked out for me to be. I get that question all the time. What in the world, what are you doing in, ba- in Baltimore? I'd, I'd be in the store, or whatever, of course. The first thing they say is, where are you from? That's the first thing they say. I hear that a hundred times a week. Where are you from? I say, Dundalk. They go, liar. But Dundalk, those, it, it's made the big time. My wife bought the kids for Christmas. Dundalkopoly. Have y'all seen that? There's Monopoly with Dundalk. It's got Merritt Boulevard. It's got the diner. I'm not kidding. So, We are uptown, I'm telling you. It's got sparrow's point on there. I'm serious, Dundock I'm not, I'm not kidding. Because they only did that after I moved up here, so I mean, hey. But I'd have never, never pictured myself up here. And they asked me, where are you from? I say, Dundalk. No, you're not. And I just laugh. I'm from down south. Their second question, what are you doing here? What moved you up here? What brought you to Dundalk? And I said, God. And then they get real confused. This is a long story. God moved me up here. Put me at the best church in the world. Right over here on Manchester Road, Calvary Baptist Church. I'd have never picked this path. Never. It's amazing how God moves and he directs your life. And when he does that, he moves your heart with it. In fact, Brother Berner takes me this morning. He says, I'm at your old church in Pleasant View Baptist Church in South Carolina. And when he said that, the first thing that came to my mind was, I'm glad I'm at Calvary this morning. There's not even a part of me would want to be back in South Carolina this morning. I'm thankful for the path that God chose me. And you'll never finish if you don't embrace the path that God picks for you. I wish I had time to look at all the verses I've got but I don't have time, secondly, write this down, there's faith in God's precepts. The Apostle Paul's reaction to God's very first command on the, Roman, on the road to Damascus was very simple, he just obeyed. And from the very first day that he got saved, he responded to the Word of God, the precepts of God with obedience and with a heart full of submission. Even on the road to Damascus as he got saved and said, what would I have me to do? Even though he could not see physically, he had been blinded by the light and someone had to take him by the hand and lead him into the city. He made it his priority to do exactly what God told him to do. And from the very first day on that road to Damascus, he learned to trust the voice of God and the word of God and the precepts of God. Could you imagine how much faith it must have taken in Acts chapter number nine to say, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said, arise and go to the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the Bible says he arose in verse number eight from the earth and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. And yet, in that passage of scripture, God came and told him exactly what he wanted him to do. And he straightway, verse 20, preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Now, this is the one that, on the way to Damascus, he was going there to arrest Christians. He was going there, no doubt, to even martyr Christians. He was going there to try to put a stop to the church, shut down the church and the work of God, and he got saved, and just a day or two later, he's standing on the street preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. That's putting faith in the Word. And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to go stand in the street and tell everybody that everything you've been doing for the last few years was 180 degrees from the truth. And he went and did it. Whew. I think sometimes that we don't put ourselves in the picture and in the story like we should. The Apostle Paul, so much faith in the truth and the word of God. He couldn't see where he was going, but he knew where he was going. Because God told him where he was going in Acts chapter number nine. And I'm thankful this morning the Apostle Paul placed emphasis and importance on the Word of God, and he did it from the very beginning of his ministry, and he did it all the way to the end of his ministry. I see so many preachers, they started out preaching the truth. They started out preaching the Bible. Somewhere along the way, they got smarter than God. They started changing their message. I shared this story just the other day, but it just came to my mind. My father-in-law was telling me about one of the older preachers that was very instrumental in him when he started out. Very instrumental in teaching him to preach the Bible and to stay with the old paths. And we get over to the, and, the, and then my father-in-law told about the time that that older preacher came, dropped into one of their services years later. And just out of respect, he said, I'm gonna ask this old preacher, that God used to help me get started. I'm gonna let him preach tonight. And he got up and he started reading his text and my father-in-law said he looked at his Bible, he started looking around, everybody was looking around, looking confused. And he said, it occurred to me, he was reading from another text. He said, I couldn't believe the old preacher that had told me to preach the Bible and to stay with that old King James was up reading some modern translation. And he said, I walked up there to him. He said, if it'd been anybody besides him, I'd have set him down. He said, but out of respect for him and his age and the influence he had in my life, he said, I laid my Bible up there and said, here, won't you preach from my Bible? and Give me that other one. He said, how disappointed he was that the old preacher that had told him to stay true and stay faithful change Bible versions, Brother Sasser, later on in his ministry, it makes no sense whatsoever. He's faithful to the precepts of the Word of God. I'm gonna be honest with you, it never has been popular to preach the Bible, but it's less popular now than it's ever been. And it's gonna just get worse and worse. But the Apostle Paul finished strong because he was faithful to the word of God. There's so much in here we could look at, but I don't have time. Thirdly, let me give you this last last point. We see, thirdly, he had faith in God's person. How was he able to finish? How was the apostle Paul able, as he was about to be martyred, to say, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. I'm gonna tell you why, because he had faith in God. I said he had faith in God. A lot of people got faith in God's performance more than his person. And when his performance changes, their faith in God changes. The Apostle Paul had faith in God and you start reading these verses and you start seeing that the Apostle Paul, as much as he loved people and investing in people and pouring himself into people and writing letters of encouragement to people, he did not have his faith in people, he had his faith in God. And if you don't have your faith in God, you won't finish neither. He spent his entire ministry, his entire life, Trying to please one. And that was God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got so many verses in front of me, but in 2 Timothy chapter number two, he's writing to Timothy and he says, In, in endure hardness, verse 3, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're fighting and we're serving. We're ministering for Him. And if you lose sight of that, you're not going to finish. His first effort to join the church when he first got saved was met with rejection. They didn't even wanna let him join the church because of his reputation of being such an enemy of the church and Barnabas, if you remember the story, Barnabas went and gave him the right hand of fellowship and brought him in and spoke for him. But I'm telling you, Paul's entire ministry many times was spent loneliness without anybody else around him except the Lord. In verse number nine of our text, I'm in in 2 Timothy chapter four. In verse number nine, do that diligence to come shortly unto me. He's begging Timothy, come see me. I wanna spend some time with you. In verse number nine. In verse number 10, he's reminding Timothy of Demas, having forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed into the Thessalonica and Cretans to the Galatian, Titus, and the Dalmatia. He's keeping a list of all those that were with him and are not with him anymore. In verse number 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. In verse number 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, but the Lord reward him according to his works. Look at what he said in verse number 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Apostle Paul, the greatest preacher besides the Lord Jesus Christ, ever walked in shoe leather. Nobody stood with me, nobody wanted to be with me, nobody wanted to identify with me, nobody wanted to stand beside me. He says, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, but look at verse number 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The apostle Paul had faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, a lot of people have been unreliable in my ministry, but I can tell you one that has never let me down. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. I can stand up here this morning and just spend hours talking about all the people that said, I'll, preacher, I'll always be with you. <laughs> well, you better be, if somebody says that, you better go ahead and just remember that it won't be long. That was Peter said that to the Lord, Lord, I'll be with you. Lord, I'll be with you. Everybody else may forsake you. I'll be with you. I'll be willing to die for you. Just a couple of hours later, he was standing next to the fire, denying he even knew the Lord. Paul says, I've been in this thing long enough to know you can't run your race and you can't finish right if your eyes are on everybody else. That includes your husband, your wife, your children. That includes your pastor. There's a bunch of us in here who's had pastors let us down. I may have let you down. If I hadn't just hang around, I will Before it's over with, I'm sure, because I'm a human. And all of us have faults and failures, and all of us have weaknesses. I'm telling you, if you wanna finish strong, if you wanna have finishing faith, you better make sure your faith is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful this morning that I put my faith in him as a little boy in 76. My faith's been tested, faith's been tried, and I've made the mistake many times of getting people, put them upon a pedestal. If you're not careful, you'll serve the Lord because they're watching. You'll try to stay faithful because of their influence or because of your respect for them, but that's not gonna be enough. I'm telling you before this is over with, it might just be you and God somewhere. Now, I hope that don't happen, but it could. We pray for our missionaries this morning all over the country, all over the world. Many of them in cities and in countries where there's nobody else identifying with God but them. Nobody else identifying with the church and the people of God but them. You can't finish if you don't keep your eyes on him. He's the only one that matters anyway. He's the only one that matters. I was used to sing that song. He's all that matters when this thing is over. Paul was serving God. He was preaching Christ. He was confident that God was able to deliver him, and he was able to finish strong, I'm done, not because he was hooked up to a man or some kind of a movement, or not even because he was a member of a church, but because he had God, and he had the call of God on his life, and he surrendered himself to the path of God, and he loved and he believed the precepts of the Word of God were inspired and infallible, and he knew that God was the one that was true and faithful. That's how he was able to finish, and if you and I are gonna finish, that's how we're gonna have to do it this morning. Some of you maybe were not even able to go spend time with family at Christmas, because of your faith. Some of you probably were not even able to go and be be a part of your job Christmas party because of all the wickedness and the ungodliness that was going on and you feel like an outsider and you feel like a square peg in a round hole. Keep your eyes on the Lord or you won't finish. Amen, I wanna have finishing faith, don't you? Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege to stand once again and Lord, to remind God's people Lord, that we can finish strong. It's one thing to start out strong, it's another thing to finish. It's another thing to be able to say like the Apostle Paul, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. And maybe somebody in the service this morning needs to get up right now from their seat and come kneel at this altar. Maybe they've been a little bit wobbly. Maybe they've made the mistake of putting their eyes on other people. Maybe they've made the mistake of questioning God's path for their life. saying, I didn't sign up for this. Maybe since they've been saved, Lord, things have happened to them in their life that they never, ever thought would happen. And Lord, you're testing their faith this morning. I pray that we would each and every one of us have finishing faith. Lord, as we close out the last Sunday of 2021 and enter into a new year here in just a few days, I pray, Lord, that we would determine to be here this time next year. And not allow the storms, not allow the difficulties, the afflictions, not allow the tests, the tribulations that come to Christians. Take us out of the house of God. Take us out of the will of God. There may be somebody here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. I wonder this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you be honest enough with God this morning to just quietly slip your hand up, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died right now that I would go to heaven. I hope I would, I think I would, but I'm not sure. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody anywhere, preacher, pray for me. If you're watching the service online, there's a phone number on the screen. If you'll text that phone number, somebody will call you in just a few minutes with the Bible and show you from the word of God how you can know you're saved. But I'd hate for you to be here this morning and leave not knowing for sure You're going to spend eternity in heaven.